Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, what Super Bowl ads taught us about big tech and the fallout over President Trump's executive time. But first, all hell breaks loose with Uber and Lyft drivers. Last week, dozens of Los Angeles ride hail drivers protested outside the local office of California Governor Gavin Newsom, delivering what they called a driver's bill of rights. It's reminiscent of what we've seen elsewhere in the country. Demand that drivers get a bigger cut of rider fees and more transparency and protections around when drivers are kicked off or suspended from the platforms. There's also nascent interest in unionizing drivers nationwide. Now, to be sure, this plays into a much broader political movement surrounding workers' rights and income inequality, particularly from the Democratic Party's insurgent progressive flank, and there has been some legislative action taken, such as what basically amounts to a minimum wage for drivers in New York City. It also comes just as Uber and Lyft are preparing to become publicly traded companies via IPOs, most likely before this summer. Now, neither company is overall profitable, and the Los Angeles driver demands would effectively halve Lyft's per-ride revenue and cut Ubers by 60%. The bottom line is that gig economy workers have become such an established part of America's labor market that they're beginning to flex their muscles. At the same time, though, such flexing could cause companies like Uber to accelerate their own development of technologies like autonomous driving, which would leave these same drivers out in the cold. In 15 seconds, we'll go deeper with an organizer of those Los Angeles protests. But first, this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. We're joined now by Alex Carbone, one of the organizers of the Los Angeles protests we discussed earlier. So, Alex, let's just get some background here on you a little bit. How long have you been driving for Uber and Lyft? I've been driving since early 2016. Is it something that you feel has been a job that you have made fair money from? Fair money compared to what the riders are being charged? No, I, I never really did. I mean, I started doing it because... My employment was running out kind of thing, and I just needed something. And it happened to be a time when the bonus for starting was really high. And so I had some friends who were driving, and they were like, you should jump on this. And so I did. And I had to drive basically full-time three months to get that first bonus. So that first three months was, like, pretty good, you know, because I made that money and then got a huge bonus at the end of it. And then after that, I saw the rates precipitously dropping <laughs> and there's a lot of manipulations that they do what does that mean because i know you know top line for example when, when you go to their websites the uber lyft websites they'll say for uber drivers are going to get i'm going to mess this up i think lyft and uber are going to take 20 or 25 percent cut of every ride but it's, it's more complicated right right <laughs> well, that's backwards actually i mean like average i get 50 percent. any short ride they take half of and then if it's a longer ride it's, it's better but it really depends on the formula the formula that they use if you're sitting in traffic you hardly get any money so those are where you really lose out and i've had people show me rides where they where uber took 75 percent. with that how much transparency is there so obviously you know how much money you technically get compared to what the the fee was but how much transparency do you guys get into how that calculation is made you know, they're always changing it. That's one of the things that they'll change it. You might get an email about it. It's really hard to find the details and it's pretty confusing really all the time. And, but there is for each ride, if you click into the app, you can see exactly what the person paid and what your cut is. But the thing is that the riders can't see that. And that's a big problem. That's one thing that we're demanding because we think that if people knew how little we were getting paid, they would, uh, you know, 
tip better or, or understand and, and, you know, pressure for us too. Let's talk about that and the demands and what your group is asking for. So more transparency, as you just said, what else kind of what's on the, I don't even want to call it wish list or demand list, but what's on the list? Yeah, well, we call it a bill of rights. So that's what we delivered to Governor Newsom on Wednesday. And what we really want to see is fair pay. So we want an hourly minimum of $27.86, which is what they demanded, what they ultimately got in New York. We want to have transparency. So we want the driver's to know where they're going and how much they're going to get before they accept the trip. Because for us to be, you know, independent contractors and have no say in how much money we're getting for each fare, like, we don't really think that that's reasonable. You know, that's not the relationship that it should be. And we also want the passengers to see the fare. You said twenty-seven eighty-six for minimum wage. You said that's what they got in New York. What am I missing? Because I thought New York was 17. Uh, what I've read is twenty-seven eighty-six is the hourly minimum. Well, what they're going up to, and they're actually fighting back on that, so who knows if that'll go through, but that's the hourly minimum. Uber and Lyft's response to this in general, and kind of higher driver fees or higher driver payments is going to be, and, and maybe they won't say it quite this explicitly, but these are both money-losing companies. Neither one of them turns a profit. They're going to publicly announce that soon when they try to go public. So give the argument from your point of view, which if Uber and Lyft are already losing money on most rides, why should they be paying more? Well, look, they're spending plenty of money on lobbying, okay? They have spent, like, the, the numbers that they're blowing have been dizzying. They have spent more than a million dollars lobbying New York Mayor de Blasio and the city council in only the first six months of 2017. That's from the city clerk record. They spent $6.7 million lobbying officials in New York in 2015. They spent $500,000 per quarter in Washington, D.C. They dropped over $2 million just in Austin. So, you know, what they're doing is they're going in and they're changing the laws by essentially lobbying officials, sometimes illegally. They had to pay $90,000. They were fined by Chicago for illegally lobbying Rahm Emanuel there. So basically, they're using all this money to flout labor laws and taxi driver regulations, which have been in place because they know what this needs to look like in order to function properly in a city. And that's what the taxi drivers have always fought for. So they're using their money to flout those laws. And so if they have money to do that, they have money to pay the drivers. Taxi drivers are often unionized. Do you think it's realistic, and I, I don't mean what you want, but I mean pragmatically realistic, that there could be a nationwide or even maybe regional unionization of ride-hail drivers? Yeah, I mean, that's the route that we are on right now. We have 2,500 people in our organization. We're grassroots. We're driver-led. I'm a driver organizer, and, you know, that's the, what we're on. We have brought our concerns to Governor Newsom because we know that Uber and Lyft are throwing money at him right now to try and flout the new dynamic decision, which, you know, basically is cracking down on misclassification of workers to pay them less by 1099. So we're trying to say, hey, we voted for you. We are the people. Do we live in a democracy or do we live in a billionaire's playground? Like, defend us. We shouldn't be going out for 12 hours and coming back for 80 or $150 paycheck. And, you know, half of that goes to gas and maintenance anyway. Because you guys aren't, you know, Uber employees or Lyft employees, you said 1099, you're effectively contractors. At least that's how the law treats you. Is there an example of folks in a similar sort of job class actually successfully unionizing non-employees? Basically, you know, that's really a complicated spot because that's what the courts have basically said is that we're not contractors. We should be employees. But you're not currently employees. You're simply just not. When you put, do your taxes in April, when we do our taxes, we're not. But a year ago, they changed 
they made a mandate that we shouldn't be classified that way and nobody's done anything about it. Autonomous driving or, or self-driving cars are, are on their way, not tomorrow or the next day, but, but maybe, you know, within several years from now. How do you kind of view the long-term existence of ride-hail drivers if we are in a self-driving relatively near future? That's always been their stated goal, to get rid of the drivers. You know, I think they're in for a rude awakening when they realize they have to park all these cars, they have to maintain all these cars, they have to have somebody. Right now, the drivers are taking care of all that for them. Alex Carbone, thank you very much for joining us. My final two, right after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the Pro Rata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is how big tech was treated in Super Bowl ads. So in a lot of them, tech was something to be frightened of, or at least something to laugh at, particularly robots and smart assistants, like that very sad smart assistant in the Pringles spot. But then there were a lot of the big tech companies themselves, like Google's ad about how it works to help military veterans find jobs, or Microsoft's about its efforts with special needs kids. In other words, big tech generally sees itself much differently than does non-tech. Maybe the only real common ground came from Amazon, which actually made fun of glitches with its own Alexa assistant. It was a pretty welcome moment of self-awareness. And finally, Axios yesterday published a leaked schedule of three months worth of President Trump's schedules which showed a massive number of unstructured so-called executive time hours and a relatively low number of hours spent on official meetings and calls. So White House officials, of course, defended the discrepancy, insisting that most of Trump's executive time is not spent watching cable news and tweeting. But here's the bottom line. This document was leaked to us, which means there is a real frustration with Trump's work habits from inside his administration. And as Axios' Mike Allen reported this morning, the leak itself is only sowing further chaos inside an already chaotic West Wing. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, have a great national homemade soup day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.